0: hi everybody and welcome to therefore i geek episode 142 i'm andrew
1: and i'm the dude and i don't have any cute intros today so I'm, it's a monday it is i don't have any monday how a, you doing man
0: it was a tough it was a tough monday like I, I got to work i had to go to a meeting i got out of the meeting and i chugged two cups of coffee and about 10 30 i had that moment of oh god i'm coming down mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't know if it, there's an episode of futurama and i can't remember I it's like the one where like Lila gets blinded and while she's at the doctor they gave zoidberg like downers <laughs> and, and at one point like zoidberg in the, in the episode goes oh god i'm coming down <laughs> i had that moment at work today
1: oh god that's awful it is Th- that's the kind of stuff that made me quit coffee when i used to drink coffee in college and i remember chugging like two or three cups of black coffee before i believe it was one of my like naval arc finals and i had to pee so hard it hurt Ooh yeah during a final and that i believe that was the day i swore off coffee we're like no, I am never doing that again. No, speaking of of uh, Futurama, you know, you just reminded me of something. What's that? Last week, like the 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 moment we finished recording last week's episode, I got I, I jumped in a car and drove up to the Long Beach Comic Expo. Yeah. And we checked out that little convention. They have it. I've
0: uh, heard a lot of good things about that show.
1: So it's it's like a Baltim Baltimore, Baltimore Comic Con just smaller. Okay. Just slightly smaller, and we were up there with a friend of the program, Chris, and his wife, and visiting someone that we've interviewed interviewed or you have interviewed on this program whose name suddenly escapes me david gallagher that was him david very Center.
0: very very great person he's also used to be chris and jess's uh game d d game
1: master. game master right.
0: when they played uh um marvel, marvel RPG. yeah yeah
1: so they were they were chatting that up i got to meet him he was a very nice guy and it was a cool little uh convention i got myself another godzilla <laughs> figure an, another naka godzilla and this one he uh, shoots fire at his mouth that's oh,
0: pretty that's cool. nice that's all um, I,
1: I got. They had these cool t shirts. These guys, <laughs> I love these people who make the at home t shirts. That now t shirt making is so easy, it's the markets exploded, and there's all sorts of really cool creative stuff that you're just seeing. Yes, so I got me. I got one of those. It was a cowboy bebop one that was a kind of like a silhouette of Spike, like a profile silhouette of Spike, and it said, See a space cowboy. I thought that was really cool. Nice. And then Artist Alley was really nice. And so, the reason why I brought it up is because you mentioned Futurama, one of the artists that were there, and I, I can't remember his his name now, but his his kind of shtick was. He, pa- he took um, well-known classical pieces of art and just inserted pop culture characters in them. Interesting. So, we, and I, I kind of like art history <sighs> as a kind of a background. So, he would have, for instance, this, the, the you know, the famous painting of the signing, signing of the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Well, in his version, all the Founding Fathers are, it's the Councils of Rick, and then oh, there's the, the, the one Rick coming through the portal, flipping them the bird. <laughs> it's, it's great. So, we were talking about what his Upcoming projects were because I like I like art history, and he was trying to come up with one where he could parody Napoleon because he had one of Louis XIV as chewbacca as louis the 14th i think it was and we were like which napoleon one should he do and should be the one as emperor should be the one with him on the horse pointing uh because he wanted to do like a vader as napoleon and then i mentioned uh the famous painting of washington crossing the delaware he's like that's my current project and it's washington crossing the delaware but it's the cast of futurama as and zap brown against wash uh washington and just kept like paddling the boat while everyone else is just kind of like not doing anything
0: that's that's Pretty awesome. Although I, I kinda would have liked to have seen Zoidberg is, as Washington.
1: because <laughs> to give Zoidberg his due. Yeah. But when you think about it, it li- makes perfect sense to have Zap and Kip in it,
0: that. No, in that it a- it absolutely does. I just I remember there's the one Christmas episode where the only good person in the entire universe is uh Zoidberg. <laughs> like Zoidberg gets a pogo stick, and that's like everyone else has to die.
1: Was that the one where, like, it was Mecha Santa and he's just killing everybody?
0: Yeah, well, there's, a, there's a couple of Christmas episodes with, with Robot Santa Claus, but that th- I think it's the first one. Yeah, Zoidberg is the only good, the only good person, so right. everybody else gets, you know, murdered and Zoidberg gets a pogo stick.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. I do remember that gag, at least from one episode. But this artist is supposed to be at the Phoenix Comic Book Convention. If I go to that one, I'll look him up because I didn't really have a lot of spending money. I just kind of went to chill out at a comic book convention. Sure, And I, I had a lot of fun. We did have like one moment. Chris and I were walking down the aisles and I'm going to explain this. I don't think it's going to translate, but it cracked us the hell up is we're walking down the aisle. And because you can actually do that at this expo, it's not a crush of people. And there's a guy cosplaying as Ric Flair and he's coming towards us and Chris and I are going towards him. So naturally, Chris, as he's passing him, goes, what? right and the guy the quick Flair cosplayer goes whoa at the same time they would pass by and then 10 feet behind him is some dude with like a shark mask on like he looked like the Katy perry halftime super bowl shark sure he- and he passes us by and, and he just goes whoa uh- <laughs> And we just lost it. It was just kind of the perfect time. We didn't respond to him because we couldn't get bring ourselves to do it, but because we we could barely breathe. It was the timing was so perfect. Nice. Uh, And and, and, and it's
0: one of those moments you've got a hard time like crushing the man's soul that hard. Right.
1: (laughs) Right. Whoa. Like, all right. Nice. (laughs) All right. right, Now that we've gotten thoroughly off
0: topic, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, what's going on in the world? So this week we're going to be talking about Diamond announcing a new method of uh, really selecting pulls for comics and comic shops. Joss Whedon leaves Batgirl. Kevin dun, Smith dun, dun, almost died.
1: Dun, 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 dun.
0: And we're going to do a little bit of an update for Black Panther.
1: Because why not? Right. Because because. History is being made, folks.
0: F- motherfucking juggernaut here.
1: Unbelievable. I mean, like, I remember I joked about like it's gonna make all the money. I believe I said that, and like, but m- I so lowballed it when I said all the yeah, money. Yeah, I did. I didn't literally mean all the money, but it turns out it's actually making all of the money.
0: Yeah. No. No. I mean, this is like Scrooge McDuck pools of money kind of money. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's really something. But you
0: could you could actually swim in this. Yes. No, absolutely. But I would
1: swim in the paper money, not the coins, because coins hurt.
0: Yeah. Although paper cuts.
1: But, but is it really paper? I thought it's like mostly cloth anyway Uh,
0: do you think it wouldn't i mean i mean if we're talking like crumpled up ones you know then maybe but
1: well yeah well my frame of reference is always the ones that are used at strip clubs and those are always a little soft and and ew just i I can't (laughs) even i can't even oh so diamond oh god
0: hang on i'm gonna okay all right all right all right so diamond has announced a new system in order to pre-order books about goddamn time uh as as Anyone who is familiar with the comic industry, especially comic shops, is aware the, the current, what is referred to as the direct market, is an absolute clusterfuck when it comes to uh, ordering books. All books are ordered three months in advance, You know, so you've got stores having to attempt to guess at what's going to be popular in three months, what books are going to do, where current storylines are going to go how creative teams are going to change popular sentiment, all these different things. So diamond in an attempt to, I guess, finally deal with this mess is launching a new system. They call pull box.
1: This is what essentially they are adjusting to some form of market forces. So I don't know what exactly is pushing them, but this is a, a well needed and probably late to the game adjustment on their part.
0: Very, very late to the game. You know, well, They haven't announced a whole lot of details. The the big demonstration of the system is coming in April at the Diamond Retailer Summit in Chicago. So we'll kind of have to wait and see what happens then. But hopefully this will make the system a little more market friendly, a little bit more retailer and consumer friendly because... The existing Diamond system, although it's worked okay for a long time, it's never been particularly good. And I think in the last few years, it's really shown how poor a system it really is.
1: Sure, and this also seems to be a system that has basically just kind of, is a legacy system due to lack of competition in a fairly small market. Is it Diamond for at least the last 25 years has been the true only player in the game. And when you don't have competition in any kind of market system, you tend to uh, uh, inefficiencies tend to arise. And what's amazing to me, particularly what I get from this kind of announcement, is that it's Diamond itself doing this and not an alternative um, interloper that's disrupting the system, which is normally the case when it comes to uh, economic systems of, of moving product from producer to consumer.
0: Yeah, the... Um- Unfortunately, the, the problem here is that the publishers love Diamond and the retailers hate Diamond. Right. I mean, if you watch, uh, there have been a number of YouTube videos posted from various Diamond, uh, the retailer summits, retailer breakfasts, at major conventions where, I mean, retailers have just ripped Diamond a new asshole. Sure. And, 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 it, it, and, it's, so. and it seems like they don't care. That Diamond doesn't care. Yeah, the Diamond doesn't yeah. care. So we'll kind of have to see how this works out. But it, it's interesting that Diamond is actually finally, maybe possibly listening. Because, like I said, right. you know, usually when there is when there's a, that that market outsider that you kind of referred to, typically you know the consumer wants a change or or the the creator wants a change. In this case, the you know, the publisher wants a change, or at least or one or more of them is at least willing to accept a change. While mm-hmm. in this case, while the consumer comic shops really want to change, the publishers are utterly unwilling to change. So even if a new distributor came into the mix. Quite honestly, the big two publishers just wouldn't be interested. They wouldn't involve themselves. There have been several pub um, distributors over the years that have attempted to come into the market, and the big two just refused to work with them.
1: So um, we talked about this offline as to why it is that Diamond is kind of the big 800-pound gorilla in the room. Can you just do that for the, for the audience real quick? It has something to do with Marvel's bankruptcy in the early 90s?
0: Yeah, early to mid-90s. So... Right. Way back in the day, there were a number of publishers, especially when comics were distributed through newspaper uh, stands and through, like, spinner racks in soda fountains and drugstores, things like that. It went through various regional um, distributors or various distribution syndicates. (coughs) As the comic-specific shop came into development, these kind of comic distributors kind of coalesced. And by the time we get to the 90s, Marvel had its own in-house distribution, and then DC used Diamond. And eventually, when Marvel went bankrupt, one of the, the things that kind of went went to the wayside when Marvel trimmed down to, to stay alive was their distribution. So, since the, the mid to late 90s, Marvel has also d- gone through Diamond, given the market share, especially at that point of... Uh, Marvel and DC going, especially going from the late 90s into the 2000s. Right? Image had a big spike in the early to mid 90s and then dropped off significantly. Any other smaller publishers really were forced to jump on the diamond bandwagon.
1: So the the conditions of their bankruptcy was not that they had to use diamond. It's just that they decided to to save money. I,
0: not that, yeah, that, not that they had to use Diamond, but right. basically they had to give up their own self-distribution.
1: In order to survive, yes. not because of any legal requirement. I, um,
0: I don't know if they were legally required to shut down the distribution or not. I haven't so I haven't it, looked into that part, but be, as a
1: result of the bankruptcy, Marvel shut down their... So this is the question that I have about this, yep. is now that Marvel is, is, to my understanding, wholly owned by Disney, yes or no? Yes. Do you think there's a possibility that... Well, in the future that Disney will resurrect its own distribution system or distributor distributor
0: no actually I don't think so but what I have heard people speculate on is that Marvel will basically become a warehouse of IPO or of uh, IP not IPO Mm -hmm. of intellectual property Mm -hmm. and that they will actually farm out to other publishers uh, comic writing responsibilities that basically Marvel will not write its own comics Interesting. And, and part of their justification for that is if you look at some of the Star Wars stuff that's happening now right Marvel is publishing the uh, what i would call core star wars comics right now but there's what's called star wars adventures which are for younger readers that i believe have been licensed out to boom studios if i'm correct it's it's one of the Mm -hmm. smaller publishers that's known for
1: um kind of off the wall stuff
0: well they're known for doing licensed stuff hang on a second let me just look this up
1: oh yeah sure that's true too i mean i have a bunch of boom stuff for um the games workshop books
0: I'm sorry. There, uh, IDW.
1: Same difference. I mean, I well, got a bunch of IDW books that have Godzilla.
0: Yeah, and I say to be actually to be honest, IDW does even more because they do all of like Ghostbusters and Transformers oh, yeah, and I, GI I, Joe I, now. Is obviously, much bigger. Yeah. So yeah. So right now they're actually licensing out a Star Wars book that's that's aimed. Towards younger readers, you know, mm-hmm. probably I don't know, like third grade, uh, you know, like the not quite middle school yet age. Right.
1: Sure. What, what I like about this this system, what what, what kind of grabbed my attention about it is the the paragraph says the system is based around a new cloud based software called Pullbox, which will allow customers to manage advanced orders online with access to searchable catalogs for upcoming releases and the ability to create shopping lists shopping lists, wish lists and manage standing orders within the system. Those lists will then sync with customer's chosen physical comic shop which will then have copies of the desired material on hand within a set period. What I now how this will actually work remains to be seen, but I always think that putting power in the hands of the customer themselves is always the right way to go. When they're the ones making the choices, it allows the industry to uh, make decisions and corrections quicker when it's the customers themselves that are actually making the decisions, not so much like you talked about physical shops having to go guess three months ahead in advance what's going to be popular
0: sure so I, I think there's some of that um
1: but we'll, it remains to be see how this will actually get executed in theory like in principle it sounds great because again I've always believed the power has to be with the consumer the more power that's with the consumer the more nimble the market's going to be yeah but I mean I see if it, it I see actually few, happens who knows
0: I see a few issues with that one you know getting someone to actually manage their poll is one um if people put things in their poll and then don't you know are they are they going to be required to pay for them in advance? Like, how is that going to work?
1: Yeah, that, that, and that's a, a, a question of practice.
0: Right. Right. Um, the, other, the other thing is I'm wondering is if is this Diamond's first step towards trying to cut out the comic shop mm-hmm. sure and just go directly to, to consumers
1: like a true true direct market yeah, yeah. And,
0: I, and I don't know how I feel about that so this is
1: something that um that I've started to see in, in the magic world and I haven't bought a lot of magic in a while uh, just because I have a lot of it and I'm now just kind of working within my collection also if you add any a,
0: more books to your collection your floor may collapse
1: it's, that's true That's like it total fact thank god we've got these big structural beams in the apartment i just put the bookshelf right over that thing yeah um <laughs> there's a big magic distributor kind of like the diamond of magic called murphy's and murphy's was one of these again they would just sell directly to magic shops and then some three four years ago murphy's began to become a basically an online seller itself and it was basically they could sell things at a discount and it hurt it, w- it would hurt a lot of magic shops but it also was an improvement because consumers could get things for much cheaper now how do you feel about that is is just kind of a not so much a moral question but a question of aesthetic and and, and kind of feeling but again it's one of those things where it's you're you're putting it, 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 i think it's an inevitable push to put more power in the hands of the consumer as technology allows these things to happen and become more easy
0: yeah i i, I think- I think that the difference in the comparison with the magic stuff is you're talking about books or physical materials sure. you know, props, props etc. I mean comics really are a monthly or bi-monthly periodical right it's, sure. like, it's like it's like doing magazines effectively sure. so sure Obviously, not not an exact exact comparison, but, you know, this will be interesting to see where it goes. Um, But the analogy,
1: I think, is just to illustrate how this kind of stuff works.
0: True. All right, so moving on, we also got the announcement this week that Joss Whedon has exited the Batgirl movie.
1: This took me by surprise.
0: Um, I'm not as surprised for a couple of reasons so um joss whedon so his his quote here and i actually do think this is an interesting quote from him is that batgirl is such an exciting project and warner's dc such collaborative and supportive partners that it took me months to realize i didn't have a story i'm grateful to jeff and toby and everyone who was so welcoming when i arrived and so understanding when i um is there a sexier word for failed Mm -hmm. now i have to give him a lot of credit that if this is a true statement of you know i came onto this this project I was really excited about and then realized I couldn't I wasn't I was gonna suck like right I have some res- some level of respect for that if it's if it's an actual a thing
1: right but man that's hard to believe
0: it's hard to believe
1: that's really hard to believe
0: also given the fan backlash from his involvement in Justice League mm-hmm. I wonder if this was Kind of a mutual decision Like they all sat down And said Yeah I should probably I should probably walk away
1: it, That's certainly a possibility I was also thinking um, Could this possibly we, And maybe this will come out at, at later dates Be a part of The new guy Who DC picked up From the horror world What was the guy's name
0: I don't remember I know who you're talking about um,
1: Yeah no, I, I, I think I'm that's not all I'm saying it I, is But it's also a possibility
0: Well I think that's part I think that may be part Of the Justice League fallout Because I mean his hiring was also part of the Justice League fallout. Sure
1: yeah it's positive. but again see from from the when, when I heard it but when he was first picked up, I was like okay, if there is one guy you wanted to get for background to do back row it would be Josh Whedon. and see the thing that rubs me that kind of doesn't pass the smell test with his statement is the guy is a fairly prolific writer in in the medium and it's kind of like hard for me to believe that of all the projects this guy has taken on and executed whether you liked him or not and, and I have a mixed feelings about the, his final products he at least produced a product it just it's hard for me to think that he would just voluntarily walk away from Batgirl of all things now it's possible that yeah maybe that the the DC going in a new direction with a new with new bosses with the kind of bad taste that is in the that is, is in the mouths of fans after Justice League and some of the bad press he's gotten in the last couple months might have something to do with it but it still took me by surprise that that he was just chicaned like this.
0: yeah now unfortunately what, what this is starting to, to to feel like to me is the beginnings of developmental hell
1: sure totally
0: like everyone really wants a Batgirl movie and and we're already starting to cycle through the big names and, and especially this kind of crisis time for dc warner brothers mm-hmm. makes me a little bit nervous
1: for the the dc universe
0: no for for Batgirl in particular, oh,
1: particular. okay
0: yeah sure um I, I think the dc universe is is actually going to do i think they'll figure it out i'm actually hearing a lot of good a lot of good rumors about aquaman um, yeah, we'll, in we'll the see. last last like week or two i started seeing people saying you know first first cuts of uh, of of sequences together and stuff are are looking really promising Mm. and again i really love jason momoa so
1: yeah i just kind of rooting for him
0: yeah um the other the other thing here that has just been entertaining the the shit out of me is like the like when the when i first saw this story was the fan comments on like facebook Hmm. like the conspiracy theory that just won't die like apparently people were, were saying and i had not heard this until just recently you know, well well after the fact that he was actually only hired on to Batgirl, quote unquote, in order to kind of cover and give purpose and give a reason for him to even be connected to DC in order to take over Justice League from Zack Snyder. Now, I I think, yeah, I think it, it, it's a hysterical conspiracy theory, I think, especially because the entire reason Snyder stepped away from the film was because of personal tragedy. Like, mm-hmm. I can't remember it was a child or stepchild committed well, his, suicide. I
1: think, yeah, I think his daughter or stepdaughter, and and also. There were other rumors that the project was not going well. So I think it was a combination of sure. Hit, the project not going well, him clashing with producers and then this tragedy just kind of pushed it over the edge. Right. But but it, the, the whole idea and this is the first time I'm hearing about it. I look, directors and reshoots happen fairly frequently. No one no one just gets signed to a new movie to just do res, to to justify reshoots for another. That's right. just this is, weird. That's a this weird should, way This is of like a
0: grassy knoll level conspiracy theory. Yeah. Oh yeah,
1: this is chemtrails and flat earth. That's just yeah. that's weird. That's just really weird. No, I mean look, to me it was like a no brain hire. Like, oh you brought him in to try and save Justice League and now you're gonna give him his own project. Okay, great. I mean and again he's had a pretty good track record with this kind of stuff. Yeah, no. Just his, lately, the press hasn't been good for him. No, ba- I think-
0: Batgirl is definitely in his bailiwick.
1: Sure, sure. Well, oh, we'll see what happens. All
0: right, moving on to Kevin Smith. So this is actually fairly fairly late-breaking as of us recording it. Uh, yesterday, Kevin Smith was scheduled to do two shows in Glendale as part of a new stand-up special, one at 6 p.m. and one at 9 p.m. Uh, after the 6 p.m. show... Smith said he started feeling queasy went threw up it didn't help he started like hit like major sweats having serious problems and ended up going to the hospital and it's a good thing he did because turns out Kevin Smith was in the middle of having a massive heart attack he had a 100% blockage of the LAD artery which is also called the Widowmaker mm-hmm. and had Kevin Smith not canceled the sh- the second show he would have dropped dead mm-hmm. so I mean I know I I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan Um, I think I mean you 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 enjoy some of Kevin Smith's work
1: i I like Kevin Smith I'm, I'm not i wouldn't describe myself as a huge Kevin Smith fan but I am a fan of his stuff um certainly his early stuff I find his commentary very interesting um I'm not familiar with a lot of his late later later works but you and I got a chance to see him at in New York City 2008 or nine uh eight that was yeah, it was, it was our first New York Comic Con. And he he. was, and he, we saw one of these kind of shows that he did, these kind of Q&A stand-up shows that were, were, were really funny. He's a fun, engaging guy, and he has a lot of interesting opinions, and I'm glad he didn't die. However, if he as, did—
0: as a, as a side note, do you remember the, the couple sitting next to us at the Kevin Smith show?
1: I will never forget that couple. <laughs> I will never forget them in a million years. If, if I have Alzheimer's and I'm on my deathbed, my last living memory will be how pissed off that woman was at her husband for laughing at those jokes.
0: Yeah, uh, to be fair, I mean Kevin Smith. They were pretty offensive jokes. He kind of gave like an opening David Letterman kind of monologue before going into his standard q a Right, and it was pretty offensive stuff. I mean, it was hysterical, but it was standard Kevin Smith offensive it's cursing. Kevin
1: Smith over the top cursing, sex, lewd, crude, and rude humor.
0: Right, and the husband all of it fantastic. The husband quickly realizes that the the wife is is not having this at all, and he is doing his damnedest not to laugh. But it is it, it is was so entirely unaffect- ineffective no, and. I- she I is like just that guy burning holes up. in him.
1: Oh, it was awful. That guy got a hemorrhoid just from holding that holding that laughter in.
0: Oh, yeah. He had
1: to. It was really something. But I will say this. If if, if Kevin Smith did, by chance, pass um, from this, and he didn't go to the hospital, he tried to go forward to the stage, and he died on stage, I just, I am of the opinion that dying on stage is just one of the most badass things performers can do. It's happened a few times, uh, most notably to the British magic comedian, comedy magician, uh, Tommy cooper and that videos is actually out there and there are guys out there who love performing who love being in front of people and they're all, and i have heard them say this to me that they're like yeah i'm gonna die on stage that's the way i want to go out it's super super epic i'm glad you didn't but it still would have been super epic
0: yeah one of the ones that always comes to mind is the grandmother from Beverly Hillbillies, mm-hmm. who was actually not quite as old as she appeared on the show. She went on to uh, do a stage, do the grandmother character in the stage performance of Pippin. Mm-hmm. She went on stage, did her performance, went back to her dressing room and died.
1: Right. yeah, yeah. Damn. Do you remember that uh, movie with um, John C. Reilly, uh,
0: Walk Hard? Uh, you know, I never actually saw that one.
1: It's a goofy movie. It's not great, but it is funny. And he plays basically a
0: Johnny Cash, a Johnny character, Cash yeah. type
1: character. But, but they also smash in like every other music biopic sure. that has been around. But at the end of that movie, they have like a tribute to him, a la the Roy Orbison tribute of like the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. And then they do like the little scroll, like Dewey Cox was joined by his family. His entire family for the first time in his life on stage. He took two steps off the stage and then promptly died. And I was like, "Yeah, that's exactly how you go. If you've been, a, if you are a lifelong performer, you die on stage." That's the way it should that's the way it should go.
0: Yeah. So I mean I'm looking forward to to some more Kevin Smith work now. Yes, hopefully of hopefully he makes a, a full recovery here. Um I, I mean I gotta say Kevin Smith has, has one of the most accurate portrayals of a comic convention I've ever seen in yep. the beginning of Chasing Amy. It's also one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Um so we wish Kevin Smith the best of, of luck. All right, so Black Panther. All the money. All the money, Scrooge McDuck level money.
1: Oh my god. Hundred and hundred and eleven point seven million. For this past weekend, which I find what's most impressive about that to me is that it is less than a 50% drop from one weekend, from opening weekend to the following weekend. Because yes. normally, uh, superhero movies just don't have legs. They no, they just, don't. They're super Not front-loaded. Everyone who's going to see them sees them up front, and then there's like a 60 to 70. So you generally a 50-something to... High 60 something drop. And this was less than that. This was 40, you know, essentially 45%, which is a lot, but but, but outperformed other previous Marvel movies to a total domestic gross of 403 million. And I think it's what, 700 something worldwide? Just crazy money. 708 million, almost 709 million worldwide. Whew
0: in in two weekends i mean typically a film has to double their budget in order to to break even so in two right. weekends on just domestic black panther has done that the budget yes. from what i've seen is about 200 million
1: right which is incredible cuz i've always said that you the chances your chances of success are much higher if your budget is much more reasonable and these are one of those times where it didn't matter you had a 200 million dollar budget big deal
0: yeah and just, and just big deal and looking at the box office coming up you know there's nothing that's gonna take Black Panther down this weekend yeah no. I think a wrinkle in time has a pretty good shot of doing it depending on how their how their release goes if they've got a decent release they'll they'll take the number sure. one spot
1: it's I, that's a hard one for me to judge because I just don't know I don't have my finger on that pulse I can't seem to find that one of what what the anticipation is because who knows it could be a, a complete Kind of meh Fest, or it could be a Jumanji. I have no idea. Right.
0: I know a lot of people who are excited for it, but you know we haven't gotten any reviews for it yet, so we'll kind of see how when it pans I was out. At,
1: I was in Disney a couple of weeks ago. I went to the California Adventure Park, and they had um, like one of those big 10-15 minute previews of the movie. Right. I watch it. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, and it was just hard for me to gauge just from that preview that this was going to be a, a big deal. I'm, it's, I don't know. I really don't know. But what's interesting, so the Black Panther thing, we talked about it as a as a movie mostly. We really kind of stayed in the, in the box of how is this as a movie. Right. Now the movie's been out for about a week. In your world, what have the discussions been about Black Panther now? You've gotten a chance to interact with some people who have seen it. What's the kind of general feeling that you've seen towards the movie?
0: I think people are really enjoying it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't know of anyone who's surprised at enjoying it. I think they go, yeah, I I really liked it. But, you know, I've been hard pressed to find anyone who's actually gone to see it who has a negative opinion of it. I know a few people who have negative opinions of it for, I don't know, reasons. Mm -hmm. But they're basically saying, I'm not going to go see it. Well, then, you know, what basis do you have to judge it on?
1: Right. If you haven't seen it, then you can't. I mean, what do you what are you talk about? My it's it's like it's
0: like it, bit, it's like bitching about politics when you don't vote. Sure. You you no matter who you vote for, like you you have you have to you know make your make make your
1: choice. Right. And and as far as the movie's concerned, I, like I saw, I wasn't the hugest fan of it because it's just, it's it's and I, I was glad I saw cr- some critics say this and heard other critics say this that at the end of the day, for for all of its. Achievements at at its base, it's still a Marvel movie, and if you like Marvel movies, you will like this movie. Yeah. If if you don't, you're gonna be kind of bored. I was kind of bored. Right. But if you like Marvel movies, like let's say you like them and you didn't like this movie, then I have I have to question your judgment on this one, because then there's there's a kind of break in consistency that needs to be explained.
0: Yeah. Well, and I
1: mean, I mean, you don't. But luckily, I haven't encountered anyone like that. I haven't seen that yet.
0: Well, I would say you don't really like Marvel films, but you also didn't think this is a bad bad film either.
1: Well, there was... So the cringe factor on this one was actually fairly low. Right. Like, there wasn't... I really couldn't find a movie that went, oh my God, they they did that. That... What the fuck is that? There was... I couldn't find one. The right. only this,
0: this is not Last Jedi for you. No. No,
1: no, no. Or, or, you know, call me by your name or anything like that. But, like, the only thing that really got me, and this has come up in, in my discussions about the film, and I'm curious what people are talking about or you're talking about it, was just... The, the whole idea of Wakanda, this kind of... And I talked about it briefly when we talked about the movie, that a, a, a meteorite making flowers give human beings the ability to have superpowers is far more believable to me than an isolated society in the middle of sub-Saharan Africa becoming advanced. Because I have no scientific evidence to tell me that it's impossible for space rocks to give flowers the ability to give you superpowers. We have the entire human history uh, to illustrate that when you isolate a society, it becomes poor and it becomes backwards. Yeah, And that, I was, mean... my only, that was my only beef with it is because some people were taking the Wakanda concept a little too far and i was like let's pump the brakes here it's Still a fantasy movie. It's well, still I, mean, a fantasy
0: I think movie. part of that though is playing into you know human legend and mythology. Right. I mean, he even absolutely um, right. The, Claw say, even I, even I, mentions El Dorado, but I mean the idea of Atlantis. Of course. Of course. Right? I mean, it's one of the it's one of those those cognitive dissonance that you know humans we understand that the science tells us this, but we really want to believe this.
1: No, that's what I'm saying. As I, I think I said this in the last episode. That is a lo- this kind of the, the advanced isolated society is a long standing. Tra- and cliche in in fantasy in particular. Uh, you could. It, it's in Tolkien. It's like you just mentioned. It's in mythology. It's always there. And and that was just my whole point is um, we understand that that it's fantasy. But there were some people, at least in the conversations I was having, that were taking this a little too far. And it, it would just allow me the opportunity to say that's actually not human. Human. You want to be connected. And what I liked about the movie at the very end, my one kind of real favorite part about the movie was T'Challa opens up Wakanda to the rest of the world. That was the best was the whole thing at the very end he opens wakanda to the rest of the world because that's what societies are supposed to do they're supposed to be connected in culture and trade and and labor and goods and services to the rest of the world that that was a good thing and part of me felt like people missed that that's what kind of when i when i I had these conversations with people and that's why i bring this kind of kind of pet peeve of mine up because normally i wouldn't really harp on it but it seemed like people were missing the point the point of the movie was t'challa opens wakanda up to engagement in the rest of the world that was a good thing he's the good guy he had a good idea that was the point right don't stop missing that point yeah that that, that's really because there's a lot of people because again if you watch the movie he's kind of pulled between two characters his somewhat superfluous girlfriend who wants to kind of throw open the gates and just give out money and let everyone who wants to live in Wakanda live in Wakanda. And T'Challa's like, no, what about our way of life? Which I thought was an interesting verbiage for this kind of movie. And then you've got Killmonger who basically wants to recreate the Mongol Empire, the British Empire and rule the world. Right. And both of them are wrong. And T'Challa was the moderate reformer. And For whatever reason, people are really gravitating to the two extremes and missing that to me, T'Challa was correct. And he's the one that should be follow- Some people got this. Some people got it. But a lot of, in my conversations, it seemed to have been missed entirely. I'm curious if, if what, what it's been like on your end.
0: I'll be honest. I don't know that I've ever I've gotten into that in-depth a conversation with anyone about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite honestly, other than yourself. Mm. From what I've seen online, it, even the discussions there haven't gone that in-depth. People have just really embraced the film.
1: Sure, sure. This is this. what I'm curious to see is a lot of people are calling it, have you heard this? People are calling it a, a cultural touchstone, a big cultural moment. Do you think that's that's a a valid or at least a a, uh, plausible way to describe it.
0: So I I have heard that phrase before. I mean, to be fair, in general, I think that phrase is overused and I kind of ignore it when people use it. I'm glad you said that
1: because I agree with that.
0: (laughs) However, I I, I do think there is at least a small sense of that being being a thing. Mm -hmm. I think this is a fairly significant step for a major superhero franchise. Sure. Right. I mean, especially. I mean, we've had we've had black superheroes as Mm -hmm. protagonists. Of course. But almost inevitably, they've still been surrounded by everyone else is white. Mm -hmm. This is a very mainstream film that is overwhelmingly minority in cast. Mm -hmm. Right. There are really only two white characters, and they really are not not even second. They're really tertiary characters. Mm -hmm. You know, and and. All in in addition to the the you know two kind of minor white characters you know and 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 the overwhelmingly black cast there's also a number of minor Asian characters, so I, I do think this is going a long way towards addressing the kind of lack of
1: diversity in Marvel, in, in their films. In Marvel in particular, not not in the broader context.
0: Right. No, yeah. I mean, I, so, it, sure. So I,
1: I agree with a good chunk of what you're saying, but so I came at it from a slightly different angle. When I hear about a movie being a cultural touchstone, I think about, does a movie, and particularly, just let's stick with movies first, or even a book, for or comic book for that, does it kind of really stay with the broader mainstream culture past its um, time in, in the forefront of the of the zeitgeist. That It just kind of, something about it stays with us and stays with the culture for a long period of time. So I don't know if Black Panther is going to become that movie. It remains to be seen. But I set a fairly high bar for something like that. So when I think of movies that really stay with the culture, I'm thinking of movies like The Godfather, Goodfellas, um, Star Wars that almost anywhere you look, some element or or the Matrix, I think the Matrix is probably the last one to have a really big, big, big cultural impact is because when you look at action movies since the Matrix, the influence of that movie is just apparent and the parodies are apparent and the kind of language that's used to describe just the world around us is apparent how they talk about being red pilled there's a glitch in the matrix you, you know all that kind of stuff though that's to me is a huge cultural impact and I don't know if Black Panther will have that kind of impact and so that's why I stop short of saying that this is good this is a kind of cultural touchstone it's certainly a box office touchstone it's a historical moment in in box office history but I I, I set a much higher bar for cultural, impact before i start giving granting something a movie, that kind of mantle. That said, it will take some time. I could be proven wrong in 10, 20 years. There could be some sort of catchphrase or scene or visual motif from the Black Panther that's going to be with us for a decade. That remains to be seen, but I'm skeptical that that's going to occur.
0: Right. Well, I, I do agree that it, it will take time. And I think certainly from a larger cultural standpoint, there probably won't be that. At least within kind of a smaller defined community, I think this may be a touchstone in terms of like geek culture you know with within the um the community itself mm-hmm. but yeah I, I don't know i how how it will impact the community the, the larger you know community of the whole so to speak but i think like I said, within geek culture
1: yeah within that within that kind of comic book world i i could i could buy that i'm i'm less skeptical but um but as the when we talk broad ah, bleh, bleh. Y- yeah
0: yeah I mean, and i don't think so but i think i think we'll have to wait wait that one out
1: you know what do you think someone brought this up to me and i don't think we mentioned and we talked about the film is that and I, I don't know this to be 100 percent true so this is hearsay this is what i was told is that black panther knocked out two of his biggest villains or, or adversaries in the first film what do you think they're going to do for black panther 2 and 3 because we're going to get 2 and 3 we who, are who are the who, who do you think are i don't know if there's if you have your finger on the news yet if they've cast or, or announced i don't think so i, I feel like i might have seen it i would have seen it already
0: no but as, as far as who I know, do you think it's going to be as far as i know they haven't they haven't done any announcements any casting like that um yeah i mean you're right i don't know about gold jaguar but certainly claw is one of black panther's major villains Mm -hmm. you know i I honestly don't know because i i'm not as familiar with black panther as as a Mm -hmm. as a comic character like like i'm really not um you know my, my interaction my my connections with him have really been through uh other more, more recent Marvel comics or Avengers or honestly X-Men because he was married to Storm for a while.
1: Well that was gonna be my next question. Do they bring back Storm? And and do you think it'll be Holly Berry?
0: If it's Halle Berry, I am possibly boycotting the movie. <laughs> okay. I really hate her as Storm. Okay. Like like she has done legit damage to my enjoyment of that character in any fashion because of how shitty I don't think, how shitty yeah, she is.
1: I don't think it'll be her. I think they're gonna go with someone much younger.
0: No, but... I I absolutely do too. I mean, we'll even see. I mean this this is on the presumption that the Marvel Disney, uh, the Disney Fox deal goes through, it gets which, finalized sure, which, which is already, you know, which is already kind of a, a question. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know that they need to bring, you know, bring all the, they're certainly not going to bring all the X-Men into the Marvel Cinematic Universe immediately. I really think because of the level of control Marvel has held up till now, I think they're really going to do a gradual introduction. I don't do you, think, you I don't. Would you like th- to see Kugler do it again? Yeah, I would have no problem with that. Okay. I don't know that they could they, they would get him to do it again. Right? I mean, Marvel doesn't tend to get directors multiple times. Really, the only two I can think of is um, John Favreau for Iron Man one and two, mm-hmm. and then they got the brothers I can't think of their names who are doing Avengers three and four.
1: Oh, well, and they got um, Whedon to do Avengers and Age of Ultron. Yes. Yeah. But- I, see, I, I wonder if Kugler would be willing to come back and do it again. I feel like if they threw enough money at him, he'd probably say yes. But it's a young director. I feel like he might want to do another project. Right. But the, my my other who 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 else at this point? It's one of those things where who else are you gonna get? Yeah. I, I, that, that's the other thing. It's like well who, <laughs> you know? It's like it's I I'm almost certain it's gonna to have to be another black director. And it's like uh, John Singleton, Andrew Fuqua. I don't uh, Spike Fu- Lee. Yeah, I was gonna say fuck it, Spike uh, Lee. <laughs> Spike, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, here's the Spike Lee joint. So that's the thing. Is like I would see not to knock the success of the movie. but i would actually like to see what a low budget black panther spike lee joint would look like that would be kind of just to see it (laughs) tell me you wouldn't want to see that i'd want to see that
0: not as black panther i could see like a low budget spike lee luke cage
1: sure i i can too but
0: and and, and, I, 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 and I don't necessarily yeah. i don't i don't mean like the the same luke cage as like the 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 netflix luke cage like i mean so I, like I really like full that
1: on spike lee luke cage yeah yeah cast by spike all that kind of stuff yeah
0: i mean that really is more spike lee's kind of thing anyways I I mean, be, I mean that that is far more like do the right thing kind of. Sure.
1: I'd be really curious to see I mean we're going to see it. So I'm just really curious to see how a Black Panther 2 plays out because this is such a high bar the first movie sets. Yeah. And, and what happens to a second Black Panther? Does it crash and burn, or does it do just as well? And I'm really curious because I want to see how Jurassic World two performs because I always felt Jurassic World was such a black swan event in box office history. I I'm just I can't believe that they're gonna have lightning strike twice with Jurassic World two. I don't I don't. No, I've I have got, to look at the numbers.
0: I've got a hard time believing it's going to, especially just looking at it. I mean, don't get me it's wrong. A current trailer. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I want to see dinosaurs in lava, but like right. dinosaurs in lava do not look like they should be as successful as they are.
1: They shouldn't. So I'm curious. I would I would have to look at how well Jurassic um, World did, and then kind of just do your standard um, sequel percentage drop and see how close it gets to that. Yeah. And then I'd be curious to see it once Jurassic how Jurassic World, and I understand they're two very different movies, but I'm comparing them just, and I know there's a lot of different kind of cultural baggage attached to both films, and they're both very different cultural baggages, but they're both to me very much black swan events I would not recommend cranking out 200 million dollar after 200 million dollar black superhero films one after the other like, I mean, I, would not, I mean I wouldn't recommend that
0: I wouldn't recommend cranking out 200 million dollar superhero films one after another at correct. all correct
1: yeah that, but that's my point but uh, we've talked about this on the show before is like please you know when when Logan or uh, Deadpool did was rated R please don't take the wrong lessons from this you know Black Panther did well because it was a you know partially got lucky in terms of timing and the other hand is it was pretty well put together it wasn't the budget that did it yeah i'm sure the budget helped because it, it but even at times it still kind of looked a little gooby to me but sure i mean i just yeah that was just kind of it on my end of what the the conversations were like around black panther
0: yeah all right so what have you been into
1: Well, kind of speaking of Black Panther, I was watching, I've been rewatching the show The Boondocks, the first three seasons, not the fourth one that Aaron um, McGurdy was not a part of, and and just enjoying the hell out of it. It's still pretty darn relevant, it's still funny as hell, and I'm picking up on little jokes that I had uh, not picked up on beforehand. I managed to finally earn enough points in Star Trek Online to unlock the Vengeance class dreadnought. That's pretty sweet. Um, In the amount of time and effort i put into doing that I probably could have mastered Mandarin Chinese but instead I have a spaceship you'll figure it out when the Chinese take over yeah a steep learning as, curve like indeed, that really helps. Yeah, as an, it's kind of like, you know, mother the necessity of all, eh, everything. But I, I'm having fun with it. It's the one of two things that truly came out of Into Darkness that I loved. That ship and Dr. Marcus's under, uh, underwear scene. Great. Everything else, myth. And I got a new board game that I yeah, did so on That
0: The Dr., Dr. Marcus underwear scene, just like, she's an attractive woman, but like, I don't know, the body posture or something just looked very odd and, and did nothing for me.
1: Oh, did, uh, did everything. It was good. So, and I got another... Uh, um, board game, I'm really interested in getting to the table as soon as possible. It's called Washington's War. I did an unboxing video that I'm going to upload uh, the moment I get an opportunity. It used to be a game called We the People that I played, oh, I want to say nine years ago, and that I enjoyed. I remember enjoying it. It was the same guy who showed me Commands and Colors. Ancients was the guy who showed me We the People. And, gee, it was back then, it was Avalon Hill produced we the people and gmt one of my favorite war game publishers kind of took it retooled it and kind of spruced it up and made it look nice and gave it a new name called washington's war and i've read through the rules a few times i think it's going to be a lot of fun and i will let you know once i get it to the table excellent uh let's see what i having up to
0: uh so over the weekend uh i was fortunate enough becky had gotten me for valentine's day a photography class at the virginia zoo Mm. so that was a lot of fun just got a lot of like little nice like tips on how to shoot wildlife at the zoo like how Mm. to how to shoot through like the wire mesh that like keeps like birds Mm -hmm. and stuff in without having it show as much um you had to like minimize glare on the glass things like i mean kind of real simple stuff like that but it was I got some really nice pictures. It was a nice cloudy day, so, like, the animals were all out doing stuff, and the zoo has a new lion cub that was just, like, running around playing like an idiot, and it was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, I, I finished re-listening to The Smartest Guys in the Room, because I was just on a, like, a hist- like kick-up for that kind of book, mm-hmm. and it, it still just blows my mind that these idiots thought that what, what they were doing was in any way, shape, or form legal, <laughs> and that lawyers and like, auditing firms and everyone signed off on it, like, just just blows my mind um i haven't been in, taking in all that much other media I, I, you know i was actually having a, a thought tonight because I keep coming up with really interesting like ideas for stories and things like that. And I think for a little while, I'm going to have to go on a kick where I consume less media in order to attempt to produce more media. Cool. So, you know, we'll kind of, we'll kind of see where that goes. Uh, I would really like to be able to, you know, get some of these story ideas out and you know, whatnot and out, out of my head and out into the universe. So I may have to cut down on my television and everything else. And, uh, I haven't yet, but uh, one thing I am looking I'm looking forward to this week is Becky and I have tickets to go see the tour of a gentleman's guide to love and murder, hmm. which is a, a musical that's sh- it's supposed to be really funny. Cool so let me know how that is yeah looking forward to it all right folks if you like what we do make sure you head over to geek.com. you check out our blog posts and our podcasts you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter and you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on itunes soundcloud youtube and stitcher Ba-ba-ba. so once again i'm andrew i'm duder and you've been listening to